0: This is the EWN Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. When interior designer Jana Rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall in her house, she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt.
2: We are continuing our interview with Gail Wilson, who is a plumbing specialist here in LA, where I have had the great good fortune to work with her over the last 15 plus years, as I have followed her career through a couple of major plumbing supply showrooms in our area. Now that we have a general understanding from our last episode of how to begin the process and what to expect as we shop for and select plumbing fixtures for our project, how long it might take to get the parts delivered and what it all may cost, Let's spend some time on the fun part. I feel like the plumbing fixtures are like the jewelry of the home. They reflect our personality, adding just the right touch of style and should be a perfect combination of form and function. Before we go through room by room, I just wanna ask you a couple of questions that remain for me um, after our last talk. The budget. When I'm working on a new home with uh, clients, the builder has created a budget so people do come in with an idea of what they have, whether or not that's an accurate depiction of what things cost. Do you find people come into
3: you with builders budgets or with an idea of um, what to ask for? I'd say no. They know what the builder is including, but they don't know what he's paying for each item. Uh huh. So is he paying for a, faucet over at Lowe's where he has an account, or is he spending $398 for a quality faucet with us? So those are the things we need to figure out.
2: Now, before I keep going on the money part, you just said the quality word, and that was the other thing I wanna ask you about. Um, In terms of what to expect from the quality of the plumbing fixtures we buy, what are we paying for? Is, you know, are we expecting things to last five or, or 10 years or the 30 years or the life of our home? And what makes the
3: quality different? So it has to do with the workmanship, how the product's made, and the quality of the materials being used to make those products. Um, manufacturers like uh, Newport Brass, California Faucets, Philrich, They use solid brass for their items. They use high quality finishes. Um, Some of the other manufacturers um, will use a pot metal instead of a solid brass. And um, uh, finishes are limited uh, as to what they look like. So that's a reason. Um, and, And the lesser quality ones, you're looking at be five to seven, maybe ten years and uh, within that time frame they will stand behind it. Um, the higher quality manufacturers, as long as you have it in your home uh, under normal use, they will help you with it in any way they can. Uh, water is really an erosive uh, material. There's a lot of minerals in it and we don't usually filter, our shower water, and things like that. So your plumbing fixtures can wear out on the, in, the inside. Uh, right. And that will, of course, reflect in
2: terms of the beginning of, um, you know, hopefully it's the beginning of a leak and you can catch it. Right. Um, but it can also be something that's been happening for a long time and you don't know it until you you know, go under your sink for a reason, and, and there's the leak. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you know, it's also regional because in a, in a lot of different parts of the country, especially near the ocean, air is also corrosive. Um, right. Salt in air. When I work in um, the closer I work to the ocean, the more careful I have to be on what the material the trims are made of, right? As well, because I've seen. I used to work on the coast of Mexico a lot um, in uh, outside of Merida in a seaside uh, town called Chalem. And honestly, I could come back a year after some plumbing fixtures were put in and they would have um, rusted, you know, the exteriors would have rusted. So it really was important to make sure that those metals that we were installing were as pure as possible. And so then, you know, back at the budget end, that's one of the really hard things for me as a designer. I... I'm coming in usually after a lot of the design process has happened with the architect, and then the builder has created this budget, and they have forms and templates they use, but they're not taking into consideration the um, the the design styles of the client, the taste of the client, and their intention of of um, of lasting. I mean, last? right? Yeah. I mean, is that person going to be in the house for? You know, I always ask the client, you know, how long are you going to be in the home um, or planning to be in the home? Because if it's a five-year commitment, then you can get something that looks great and pretty good chances that when you go to sell the house within 10 years, it's going to look great. But if you're going to be there, you know, uh, for 20 to 30 more years, you don't want to be changing your faucets and your, you know, plumbing equipment Mm -hmm. down the road. You want that stuff to last, that it's a different level of investment necessarily.
3: And I mean, I always try to tell people, ask them about that point too, but it's always advisable to purchase the very best quality you can absolutely afford. Yeah, that's and, and true. It, yeah. You won't have yeah.
2: to repurchase it later on down the line. Yeah. And so what I do is I... I take the budgets that the, that they've been given. They're called allowances for the amount they had to spend in different areas. And I ebb and flow them. So I might take a little bit out of the secondary bathrooms so that the master bathrooms can be, you know, right. that much um, higher quality. Because they're, you know, chances are your kids grow up and go to school. They're not going to be used for a long time, but you're still using the master right. bathroom. So that brings us to what I really want to, I've been so excited mm-hmm. since I started the podcast to start, going by room, to, you know, room by room and talking about the decisions that we have to make. And um, hopefully this will help people, you know, know about the kinds of things they have to think about. So I like to begin when I get to the showroom um, and we once they've um, stopped looking like a deer in the headlights and I mm-hmm. can see some cognizance in their eyes, I like to begin with um, the selection of the plumbing fixtures in the kitchen because the kitchen is where we're going to determine the client's sense of style. So if the house, um, say, is, you know, craftsman on the outside, when we start to look at uh, kitchen fixtures, do we want them to have sort of old-fashioned charm like an original craftsman, you know, house Mm -hmm. might have had, or do we want to take the essence of what craftsman is, which is clean lines and and it was modern for its time. Right. And do we wanna have that reflected in, in our time so we could push that into being really contemporary or modern choices. And um, and this is the room where we understand, we wanna understand the function because it's the most used plumbing fixtures in the house and the budget mm-hmm. level because it's, um, Because it is the highest functioning part of the home, as you said Mm -hmm. um, last time, it it is where people are willing to spend a little bit more because they really want it to function at you know terrifically and um, without any fail so gail we've just arrived in your showroom with our kitchen plans, where do we start.
3: has to be the sink definitely the sink because um, that's going to determine what fixtures. For faucet uh, disposal, uh, water filtration, if any, um, soap dispenser, those type of products, and is the uh, the homeowner is definitely going to have an idea of what they want. That they usually do. Yeah, and that's actually a good place
2: to start because they do. So, for example, if someone um, says, you know, I want that um, apron front, you know, farmhouse look. Uh, or um, or I want it to be really, really clean. You know, they may not know the word undermount, but undermount is when the sink is fully encased underneath the countertop and there's a rim of the countertop material that goes over the edge. So it's super clean and super functional. Um, self-rimming, which mm-hmm. is um, usually a budget thought because... It means that the sink comes with a finished edge around it and the hole doesn't have to be cut as precisely because the edge that's attached to the sink is going to overlap right. it. And um, and then there's the choices of whether a person wants a big a big single bowl, which I think is trending now.
3: We're, uh, I would say we sell more of those
2: than anything, than anything else, right else, now. else right now. Yeah. Um, and of course, the, the other option is whether it's a double bowl and it's split. Um, in some way with either a full height partition, or now there's some th- um, sinks that have low like a, a low wall in between, which is interesting. And, and then there are three sections. When I first moved to LA, we were in a rented house that had those olive green countertops we were talking mm-hmm. about before. Um, and it had, I've never seen it before, two big, you know, basins. And then in the middle was the disposal,
3: a mm-hmm. section for the disposal. Are, are those still around? Um, very limited, but yes, yeah. um, I don't recommend them. Yeah,
2: it's interesting because I thought after I used that for the years I was in this rental house, gosh, I'll never not have that again. So then I renovated my own house and I have a a, a farmhouse basin sink, you know, single basin sink with, um, which is never,
3: you know, not at all what I would have thought I would have ch- picked, but actually maybe. more functional than the other one. The center basin on a three bowl All you can do is put your garbage in there. And maybe that's that's why people like that because Because it it doesn't get anywhere else. But unfortunately, the other two basins are not really big enough for large pots and pans.
2: Yeah, that is a challenge. And
3: that's primarily what you're washing in your sink now Yeah, because you just scrape the dishes, put them in the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pots and pans are what you're washing in the sink. And some people have a separate prep sink. Um, but not always, but if you have a single bowl, you can divide that large bowl up any way you want.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what about the materials that sinks are being made of? Um, of course, the classic is always the choice between, um, you know, the, a white finish, which is porcelain Mm -hmm. or, um, a stainless steel finish. And there are gauges that, um, the higher the number is the thicker the stainless. No, no. the oh,
3: lower. I always get that wrong. Because it's a gauge. It's yes. not an actual millimeter. Oh. So a gauge like electrical wire, a number two gauge is very large. Um, a Number 12 is smaller. So you have to think of it in th- those terms. Aha. So most sinks are either stainless steel sinks or copper sinks are going to be approximately 16 or 18. Copper can be even 14 because it's a thicker material, Um, but. um, In in a copper sink, do they have a, a, for
2: kitchen sink, do they have a finish on them that are going to make it so that they're, um, that they don't patina
3: over time or are they going to change? It depends on what you purchase. Yeah. Some, some do, some people like that um, patina look and that's why they're buying copper and, Copper is antimicrobial naturally. So that's why we use it in plumbing systems. So, um, but people like that. It's a very, um, I would say, um, you know, it's a a taste, a definite taste. Um, I've had customers want that look. The cleaning crew comes in and cleans it all off. Works hard on it. Oh, the patina. Cleans the patina off. Yeah and the homeowner is just uh upset. destroyed yeah. b- because of it yeah. uh, but um it, it comes back yeah, it's tricky because it, it, it does alive. come back yeah. but they um it's a living finish Yep, yeah, that's right um you don't need a lot of, of uh disinfectant or anything in that sink yeah all you need to do is just clean it with like a, a dawn dishwasher yeah, and, and you're yeah. fine Yep.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay, so we, we have chosen our kitchen sink. Now, there are all the things that go right behind the kitchen sink that, you know, the, the faucet. And there's the hot water tap and a cold water tap and filtration and all of those things. Mm-hmm. How do we start to sort out what
3: we want uh, at the sink? Well, we have to find out what the homeowner is going to actually use. It's nice to have all these things. And do you have, what do you have room for behind there? Do you have a bunch of room for all these small, different little items or, um, and some homeowners, no, I just want a faucet and I want it clean and I don't want anything. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, we ask them first, um, do you have filtered water in the refrigerator? Mm -hmm. If they have filtered water in the refrigerator, they may not want the filtered water. At the tap. tap. Instant hot they might want by itself for tea, um, ramen noodles, different other things. And, um, you know, it's very useful. And uh, we saw quite a few of those. Um, It's a luxury item, but, you know, a lot of people like it. Mm -hmm. Um, Soap dispensers, it's, you know, 50-50. A lot of people don't like them because they don't realize that they take maintenance yes so they do um, yeah in
2: fact whenever it's time to refill your soap dispenser it's best to take to unscrew it take it apart and run it through the dishwasher and then do it again
3: or soak it in hot water yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah. yeah
2: yeah but you know you do need to do that or they get
3: corrosive well and... what happens is it's kind of an open thing yeah. and the water evaporates out of the soap and all that soap remains on the pump. Yeah. And it prevent coagulates and prevents it from working. So you have to clean it off. In general,
2: I don't really recommend them unless someone has had one before and knows that they're good at it. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, you know, I make funny faces and you know, demonstrate to them how gross it's going to be after
3: (laughs) a couple of years. You know, sometimes you have to take an old toothbrush and get in there and scrub it out before you put it in the dishwasher yeah. or, you know. Yeah, so um, so if they want
2: a hot water um, tap, then there's a vessel under the sink that's going to heat the water and keep a certain amount of water hot. It's going to come up through its own separate valve. Mm-hmm. If it's a cold water um, filtration, then it's going to come out through the same, th- through your, your one major faucet. You can do it that way uh-huh. or you can do it you, you can, can have, have a two-part, yeah, yeah, or you can have a faucet that will do hot and cold, right? So there are a couple of different ways to do right. it. Mm-hmm. And then that's another thing that's under the sink. I do a lot of those now that over the last maybe two years, that's become more and more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there's the air gap. Now okay. you buy the air gap with your plumbing order, but it is that line between appliances and plumbing. It's where they marry. The air gap is where um, the, when you, they install the dishwasher, the air gap is a hose that comes and goes up in through, you know, the area behind the sink. Right. And then it's the little silver or whatever the color metal you're using cap that goes on top of that hose. Why do we need an air gap?
3: Okay. You need an air gap and Los Angeles County. Um, most of the counties um, require it for health purposes. I don't think Riverside uses it, but uh, for whatever reason, but um This is a backflow preventer. Mm -hmm. So if you have an interruption of power or water, uh, you're running your dishwasher, there's an interruption. You don't want all that dirty waste and dirty water that you just cleaned off of your dishes to go back into it. You want it to continue out. So it makes the uh, water only flow in one direction and that's out through the cleanup.
2: So that's that's very interesting, and I, uh, I've always had a vague understanding of that, um, but I, of course, as a designer, hate them because mm-hmm. they're Good a little blob yeah. in the middle of the, you know, mm-hmm. composition we're creating, and in fact, I now, um, a lot of dishwashers that are currently made do not require them in the installation of them, and Um, And and they have been clearing inspection here in LA. They may not everywhere. As long as
3: there is a stipulation in the product specifications and the inspector approves it, you're fine. A lot of the dishwashers have um, soft food disposers or hard food disposers in them as well. And um, so as long as it's got that um, anti-backflow preventer built into the yeah. dishwasher, yeah. you don't need another one. There's also a way of doing it with a loop, but you have to be near a wall so he can put that into loop the wall. into the wall. Yeah. Um, you couldn't do it on an island. Yeah,
2: that's right, where a lot of my um, dishwashers, in fact, my own yeah. is there. And I think that's a really important thing about dishwashers. It is one of the things in the house that people might think that they should go cheap on, but it is not. Oh, no, it not. is the one thing that, um, that it's better to go a little more expensively. Not only are they really whisper quiet if you spend a little more money, um, like in the $800 range, as opposed to the $400 range um, for that appliance, but also because for me, it makes a big difference that there's no air gap because that's just another place for there to be crud Mm -hmm. (laughs) accumulating. Um, Okay, now there are more than one sink in a lot of kitchens now. So Mm -hmm. there's the island sink and I know that the first questions I ask on the island sink are, is this just for um, hand washing and accessibility? Is this where we're gonna put the water filter so that's where the kids go mm-hmm. for their glass of water to keep them away from the you know working part of the sink? Or is this your vegetable cutting area? Mm-hmm. Do we want the disposal there? Or is this really more like just a bar sink? Um, how do we talk about those things? What are our options there?
3: Well, um, has to do with the layout of the kitchen, if, the, if they've already done that. And like you said, it, is it a prep sink? Is it a, a bar sink? Is it a combination of both? Is it um, the place where, um, you know, children are going to be, you know, have access to, um, if it's got an Insta Hot in there, you may want to think twice. Yeah. Because it's, you're almost 200 degrees. Yeah. So you yeah. don't want you know, anyone getting burnt, yeah. we, you know, need to establish that. But um, is it, if it the main, where is the main sink? The main sink being the one where you're washing dishes, pots and pans, you know? Um, so, um, you know, I, and usually that that's pretty clear cut.
2: Yeah, yeah, I usually do. I really try to recommend that people consider it a full use sink even if it's you know smaller and you don't have a lot of different kinds of faucets and things there that you do put a disposal in because a sink is just inviting vegetable cutting and you know it does spread out the work if you have your kids helping make dinner or there are two cooks in and, the family
3: you know if you're doing vegetables what goes in the garbage disposal and what doesn't go in the garbage disposal yeah,
2: yeah. we should talk about that my husband um his his favorite line is um that the disposal is not a food processor.
3: That's correct.
2: That is correct. Mm-hmm. Meaning you actually, you know, should scrape your plates into the, you know, mm-hmm. into the trash can, or mm-hmm. if you're um, composting or something, uh, because so what are the things we're not putting down our disposals? Um, potato potato peels, peels. Celery.
3: Banana peels. Banana peels. Things that um, are sinewy. If you it, think of it as a texture. it's this. going throughout the lines of the yeah. sewer um, or septic, um, rice is very bad oh, cuz it wow. blows up of course it blows up inside you know that and never get, to me you know it holds water huh so, so you think that you should just day.
2: wash your you know your rice pan that you've made
3: and soak it off the edges but really
2: you should drain that and throw that away
3: the water yeah. is fine yeah. but it's the, the uh, rice itself that oh, um, could i didn't be know problem. that and grease of course you know putting grease down there I I I have an old house and old pipes, and every now and then it gets kind of clogged, and um, so uh, my plumber tells me before he comes out with the with the snake, try baking soda and uh, white vinegar, and you do that on a regular basis. You're probably not going to get need. So you you mix up a paste. No, you can just put, just put it them in, down. Okay, put good. It in. Got it. Like maybe, you know.
2: So now the pot filler mm. um, that is of course um, goes into the backsplash behind the range whether you've got a cooktop or doesn't matter what your cook, you know, whether it's a full range or whatever it is. And it's piped to have water go through it so that you can fill up your spaghetti pots and your clam pots or whatever you're going to do in a big pot. I I I've never really understood them because you still have to take the pot. You might've avoided having to move the pot from the sink to the oven to the range, but you still have to move move it from the range to the, yeah. So I've never fully understood them, although they are kind of cool looking. So, you know, that's a cool thing. I think that's basically
3: it. Um, we're not doing as many of them. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Recently. Yeah. Um, for that reason. Um, um, But it has to do with uh, just a position of the sink and the uh, stove. So uh, I know there's a a working triangle that you're supposed to have when Mm -hmm. you design the counter uh, and cabinet layout. So if the uh, cooking area is far away from the sink, that would be a reason to have it. It, It's never going to prevent you once you have your finished product Mm -hmm. of, you know, how to handle it that way, mm-hmm. but, um, it, it's a convenience. It's a
2: convenience. It is. it is a convenience. And, and actually it is in a case of a, of a possible disability. Um, if someone has limited use of their hands, then, uh, they could, you know, be able to fill it. There are some that have a lever, for example, as opposed to a knob and they're mm-hmm. easy to move. And then, you know, a person could cook the meal and then get the help they need to remove it off of the stove. So there are definitely times when it's, when it can be, you know, really, really useful. And, you know, as I said, they look cool. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, the first I'd say 10 years of my career, they were a guarantee in any um, full yeah, full kitchen remodel. And now uh, there are less and less of them. And unless someone brings it up, sometimes I even forget to mm-hmm. offer that. option. And
3: all, it always comes up. I have designers calling me, well, where do we put the pot? I mean, how far up do we put the pot filler? How, you know, how yeah. do we figure yeah. this out? So um, kind of hard without the cabinet or the the stove, the yeah. uh, cooktop being there. But um, if we can get a measurement for that, mm-hmm. where that grate is going to be, mm-hmm. customer has or our client has a large or favorite pot. They're yeah. going to cook lobster. Yeah, yeah. I say go about three inches above right. the top of that pot. Right. Right. So because I had a contractor that he put it where he thought it was supposed to go. And the customer had a tall lobster pot and he had to take it out, redo it, yeah. do the backsplash. I mean, it's just cold yeah. water.
2: But, I uh, always clear um, the backsplash is usually uh, 18 inches to 21 inches, depending on the scale of the home that we're building. And I usually tend to put it in that 21 or higher inch range and that's going to usually cover everything but yeah it's good if you, you do have to ask about the habits of the client what they're going to be using so that is there anything else in the kitchen that i'm forgetting or is that pretty much the kitchen rundown? down um,
3: right now we have um a lot of our uh manufacturers are coming out with all these chef tools uh so they're um rolling uh, uh Racks that you can roll up and yes. stick in the drawer. You can use it to extend the countertop. You can use it as a trivet. Um, it's got multiple uses. There's other type of uh, mini um, shelf grids that can help you divide up the sink. There's small basins or colanders that can fit on top of the sink. Uh, just depends on. Um, uh, you know how hands-on the client is going to be
2: yeah there are pretty pretty great um sink accessories i guess i'd call them Mm -hmm. um and what i do is if someone is going to buy into that idea um i actually create um little uh walled area um partitions underneath the sink just below it to store them because if they're not where you need them then you're never going to use them right and that's where we keep ours we have Mm -hmm. um couple of things that fit specifically for our sink that we keep right below us and it stays perfectly clean. There's nothing dirty under my sink and it's good. Wow. I had no idea how long plumbing specialist Gail Wilson and I could talk about the nuances of plumbing fixtures. After a half an hour, we have finally gotten through the plumbing choices that must be made in the kitchen. We're going to take a break now and move on to the rest of the house in in next week's fun-filled episode. Remember, to hear past episodes or to reach us and share your home rebuilding disaster story, go to www.fromdisastertodreamhome.com.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process each week we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry you can find other episodes of from disaster to dream home at ewnpodcastnetwork.com as well as spotify apple podcast audible and most other major podcast streaming services need design help you can contact us or find out more about our guests at from Disaster to dream home.com. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams..
0: Have you ever asked yourself this question: Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. Even the network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.